Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Basefish Mafia. Basefish Mafia is an entity that is a unique and non-interchangeable unit of data stored on a digital ledger. NFTs can be used to represent easily reproductive items such as photos, videos, audio, and other types of digital files as unique items. For more information, make sure you follow them on all social media platforms. Basefish Mafia, join the family. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wants championships. Pride and passion meet success. You got to love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast. I am Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me, like always, Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. It was a great week of football. Some great games, a few close games, a few surprises too. Um, then we just had the Monday night game, but it's it's been it's been a great week, man. I'm, I'm oof, it's been a great week. We 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 are entering that stretch run, as we say. I mean, it's tough, man. Nobody's really leading the pack, so to say. I mean, we can kind of see who's starting to kind of get hot. Uh, you know, I'm, I mean, me personally, I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't think Thanksgiving was as special to me this year. Yeah, I mean, aside from you know, the specialness that I get from spending with my loved ones. But I'm just saying overall, my team just did, could not close the deal. Well, I had an excellent Thanksgiving, especially uh, as a result of that outcome between the Raiders and the Cowboys in overtime as the Raiders won 33 to 36. Yeah, thanks for rubbing that in my face. But it's okay. Let's get, let's get, let's get into it. All right, real quick on today's show, uh, NFL insider Steve Weiss will join us and also uh, Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio. He will also join us on this podcast but, yeah, let's go and recap week 12 in the NFL. It's crazy to say week 12, the season's almost over. It is. It's crazy, man. I mean, this uh, – I I mean, we were so anxious just to get the season just started. Week 1 came around, and by the time we look back, it's already week 12. I mean, it's insane. It's nuts. Yeah. I mean, a few surprises, like I said, in the opening. And just, I mean, there's some teams that are standing out that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. But we get into, we get into that in a few <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, man, there were some great games this weekend. I mean, starting off with that Colts and uh, Buccaneers game. I mean, Colts were up at one point, I believe, by 10 points. Uh, Bucks came back and won the game. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. had a tremendous interception over Michael Pittman Jr. I believe it was in the third quarter. That kind of seemed to turn things around for the Bucks. 6-4 over 5-9. I mean, Michael Pittman, what? 6-4? Yeah. And Antoine Winfield, what, 5-9? Yeah. It's not the tallest guy. Yeah, it's not, but it just shows you the baller in him, right? So, yeah, I think that 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 actually just turned the whole game around. Yeah, and how about that the, um, the Sunday night game? Baker Mayfield, I mean, not Baker Mayfield, but Lamar Jackson. Oh, those that was four inter- Those four interceptions in the Browns cannot. I know um, Baker, he's a bit battered right now. My buddy Colin Cahir, he's started watching early. He stayed, he stayed putting on Baker Mayfield. He, <laughs> they had, they have a they don't have a little loss there, but um. It, I mean, you throw four interceptions. You had the ball and it had um, Cleveland had the ball in Baltimore territory plenty of times, and Baker Mayfield still couldn't capitalize. 
I mean, I know that. I mean, they don't have Odell anymore, and they don't really have a wide receiver that can separate. They're really scared. They got Jarvis Landry in the slot. But other than that, they don't have nobody. Harrison Bryant, um, they got Harrison Bryant. I think he got hurt that game. And um, Austin Hooper. But outside that, they really don't have nothing. They probably, probably, it's probably what's going to be what Cleveland going to do in all season. Need to get some speed on the outside to get a separated there at wide receiver. But I mean, that's that's crazy. Baltimore did everything they could to give them that game, and Cleveland couldn't take it. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping that um, Cleveland could win that game. Yeah, it was it was it was a very unique game. I mean, I mean that missed touchdown, right? I mean, who was it? And and Dockway, and then. Also, who else? Um, so Njoku was the one that caught that touchdown in the Njoku. end zone that Baker threw. Uh, yeah, um, now, it, it was a very uh, interesting play because multiple camera ang- uh, angles seemed like the ball hit the ground before he caught it, but then you saw different ones. It was just yeah. could have gone either way, but I think at the end there was just not inconclusive evidence to turn that uh, play or that call around. Yeah, very unique game. Very unique game. Yeah, and then also, too, I mean, let, let's talk about a team um, that's kind of getting hot at the right time, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they had a huge showdown with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think the game kind of turned around when Dalvin Cook got hurt and he fumbled the ball um, right there in the red zone. Uh, he's got a, I believe it's a shoulder injury, um, so he's going to be out for a bit. He actually might even go on IR. Uh, but the Niners running the ball uh, like no other team. Uh, I forget what exact number of plays or runs that they made. I want to see 38. Uh, 38 runs and they rushed over 200 yards. Um, yeah, with nobody, right? I mean, or I don't want to say nobody, but not a big time name. Elijah Mitchell, I think he what broke his finger. Yeah, like he broke two, his finger two weeks ago. Weeks ago, and he's yeah. still balled out last yeah. week. So, I mean, it's it's like you say. I've 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 heard it all week long. Run the ball. I mean, it looks like every single NFL team is now starting to stress that is to run the ball and it makes perfect sense you know if you can run the ball you're killing the clock and you don't let the opposing quarterback get get, you know get the ball back and I mean that goes for you know you want to keep the ball away from Tom Brady's from Patrick Mahomes from Aaron Rodgers and I think that like you said 49ers are in a prime position if they continue this success to continue to run you know Jimmy G just needs to show up and make the right pass at the right time you know if not you know, maybe they can insert Trey Lance, but again, Trey Lance is still a rookie and he didn't, I mean, he had his moments where he looked good and he obviously looked like a, like a, a rookie. So, but still a good time to get hot is right now. And how about last night, the Washington football team beating Seattle and getting that final playoff spot. I bet they're in the playoff picture right now. They're in the seventh spot right now. So might be two teams from the NFC East getting in, or maybe even three teams from the NFC West getting in. But and Washington, they look Go ahead. That, they barely. I mean, <laughs> that game looked like Russell was 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 uh, was cooking up some of his magic. So, I mean, still, I mean, you don't want to give you don't you don't want to take it away. But yes, uh, yeah. But, let, but hey, real real quick, let me ask you guys something. Look, to me, I mean, I you know, to Washington, the Washington football team, they're a decent team, right? Their defense is is pretty good, even without um, uh, Chase Young. But, I mean, to me, just Russ just didn't look like himself. He just didn't look like he was into the game. Uh, I don't know if that was just me. What, what do you guys think? I completely agree. I completely agree. I watched the show earlier. Shannon Sharp, my buddy Shannon Sharp said the same thing. Said He said um, Russell just didn't look interested after the game or whatnot, or, I mean, or during the game. Like, it's kind of looked like a guy like – it looks like a guy that had one foot in or one foot out. That's what he looks like. I mean, it, it, it started off like that in the season, and then it looked like it got fixed. Right. And, and it, it, it's just one of those things where you're seeing the amount of hits that he's starting to take, too. I mean, didn't he also break his hand? So he had a finger injury. I believe it was the middle finger. Uh, he had surgery. So he was out. Was he out three, two, three weeks? Was, right. Two. Yeah. Uh, I was going to believe say it was weeks three ago. weeks. Well, I mean, including yes. the game that he got out. Right. So, yes. Um, they, I mean, he was projecting not to come back, I believe for four to six weeks, he came back sooner than that. And I mean, it kind of all started off well, in the green Bay game. He, he did look like he was into it. He just, he just wasn't there. He was rusty, uh, missed some throws. Uh, just the team didn't play, you know, very good in green Bay, but just last night, man, it just DK was open multiple times. Like usually Russ, he sees the guy that's wide open. And mm-hmm. that's what DK was multiple times, even at the, uh, you know, at the end of the game. 
scored the touchdown. They're going for two points. DK was open. He just didn't see him. Yeah, there is something. There's just something there, just not right, man. Uh, and and when is when is his contract up? I mean, I believe it's not next year. So I mean, honestly, I'm not too sure. But I mean, look, whatever happens, I think this is probably Russ's last year in Seattle. Um, there's multiple teams as we we're, we're kind of like taking a look at the draft board now, like the New York Giants that have picks, you know, to kind of see, hey, uh, you know, what's it going to take for us to get Russell Wilson? Because, look, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones and, and uh, New York, I think the experiment's going to be over soon. Uh, I think it's going to be an overhaul with players and coaches and front office. And, I mean, it's a big market. And it would just make sense for Russell Wilson. How about the Saints, man? The Saints, Saints have, would too. The Saints have always been a wild card. They're almost – I would say they're they're right behind the Rams as far as just you know what I'm saying trading away assets to to get a player you know that they want and they have the you know an offensive mind and coach in Sean Payton and I mean to me it would make perfect uh, perfect sense they got Alvin Kamara uh, Michael Thomas I, I mean we don't know what's going to happen with him but they got Correct. some weapons there no yes they do they have a great they have they have a, a pretty good defense too to yeah. go along with it and how about those Patriots. Best team in the EFC dominating the Tennessee Titans. And I know the Tennessee Titans are dealing with some injuries, but man, Patriots looking good at the right time. It's so man. funny. Before, before, <laughs> look, before we get it, it's so funny. I can, I can hear Kendall smile, man. He's giggling. Whole, you can't hear yeah, him? Yeah, man. The whole time, man. I was like, it's only going to be a matter of time before we go off on the Patriots, man. But go ahead, Kendall. You take the floor, brother. And looking good is a tremendous understatement. We we look we look great. We I love this team. And like I said before, before this season, I said 10 games and just a playoff bird. That's I don't care. We can win 10 games, get to the playoffs, and get blown out of the first round. I don't care. I have my, my they've exceeded my expectations for this year. They're on their way to exceed those expectations. I, I didn't know Mac Jones would look this good in his first season. The defense is we have a fountain of youth. We finally got a pass rush. We got depth. I just love this team. And, I mean, Belichick, you see him in the locker room. He's having fun. He's having fun. Kendrick Bourne has brought a spark to the offense. Nelson Aguilar taking the top of the defense. There's been a Nikhil Harry site in the past couple of weeks. Jacoby Myers has been Mr. Mr. Solid and consistent. I mean, Matt Jones, he, I mean, we got a running game. Monje Stevenson, Damon Harris. I mean, if we get the week, we got Buffalo coming up next week. But that's what's going. That's that's what I, that's going to be the true teller of this New England Patriots team because everybody's going to say, "Well, they ain't played nobody. They beat the Jets, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Browns, and, and whoever else we beat." But in, in the Titans, we just beat. Everybody keeps saying we ain't played nobody. So when we, we get Buffalo this coming week, that's going to be the biggest test right there. And that will that will that's going to be the telling of the New England Patriots twenty twenty one season. It's going to be the true telling. Because but I think that defense is for real. You get yeah, Buffalo I mean, twice, right? Coming yeah. up. Yes, Buffalo twice in a three in a three week span. We got we got Buffalo, then we go to Andy, get our bye, then we get got Buffalo again at home. I can see a split between Buffalo. I can uh you know, one one. And 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 look, I'm gonna give all props to where props is due, but somebody needs to write a book about this stuff, man, because you can't make this stuff up. I mean, you know, we saw we saw what Tom Brady was able to do literally a year ago. Uh, and that's what win a Super Bowl after being with an organization for 20 years and within two years or, you know, within, yeah, within two years, we see the Patriots be able to add key additions, uh, you know, with free agency with Matt Judon uh, and other, other players get, uh, get back some of their players from the, you know, the, the COVID list, you know, well, not the COVID list, but the COVID opt outs. Uh, and then of course the draft class from last year, at this year's draft class, Mac Jones looks like you know what you know what you'll hear Steve explain later on. But Mac Jones is looking exactly; he's looking real good. What I'm seeing out of Mac Jones is a quarterback is making the plays that they're asking him to make, and he's yes, doing it. yes, he's doing, indeed, he's doing it the right way. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed, and um, and then again, too, before before for there goes heads, the um, a lot of people have to take back a lot that they said about Bill Belichick last year. And they're gonna have to take it back because I'm telling you, he, he's proving them wrong. And I think he's the he's a runner for coach of the year right now. I think he's not even close. You know who's not looking good? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. Ben Roethlisberger looked like it was 100 years old playing quarterback last Sunday. And I was not expecting that to happen, and it did. I mean, they didn't just get beat. They got they got their asses whooped by the Bengals. And and, yeah. and it's unfortunate, right? Because. 
you know, you you're seeing this up and coming running back who looks like a like he has the potential of superstardom, and I'm talking about Najee Harris, and man, they are just running him to the ground almost. I mean, I feel bad for the for the for him. And now you got what seventeen games now in a season, yep. so you know you got to have a change of pace back. Uh, and I think that goes for every team. I think the 49ers uh, will have a little bit more success than others because they can literally throw any running back into into the mix. But like you said, up up until that up until that game, Najee Harris was carrying the Steelers. It, it almost looked like single handedly, uh, aside from the defense, right? But I mean, lately. Uh, the Steelers just don't look don't look the same. Yeah, quick quick question for both of y'all: What do the Steelers do for here? Should they just tear it up and rebuild, or should they stay no. with it? Or do you think they're a quarterback away from big? Because they still got a young, they got a, they got a decent defense. But do you think do you think they're and they got some weapons on offense? They got a running game. Do you think they're a quarterback away from being another being, being another contender in the AFC, or should they just tear it up and just start from scratch? Because that division. The B- Joe Burry and the Bengals, they're young and they're getting better. They already sweat Pittsburgh. The Browns, they're going to be better ne- maybe later on this year or next year. Baker get healthy in all season. They're better than Pittsburgh right now. And Baltimore, you know, Baltimore's always going to be there. Pittsburgh, it used to be Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Now Pittsburgh is on the outside looking there at the bottom. So, I mean, should they tear it up or should they just add a quarterback? I mean, I, I think there's this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the P- uh, Pittsburgh Steelers because I believe this is going to be Big Ben's last year in the NFL. Now, there is a quarterback in the AFC that might be looking for a new team, <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, they don't have to necessarily tear things down, I don't think. Um, if they were able to get Aaron, I mean, they have some pieces. They definitely do. And add a couple pieces on defense, I think this team can make a run to the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, I, I think like I think you said it well. Um, and the Steelers have been a, a notorious team for having one of the better tenures for their head coaches. So I don't think that they would actually, you know, uh, may they could probably change around some offensive coordinators, but Mike Tomlin is not going anywhere for the next five years, I would say. So uh, as far as that goes, you know, I think that if anything, they, they really need to uh, evaluate the offensive play calling. uh, Right. Because I mean, when you have a running back that could create his own space and get the yardage you need, you know, uh, you don't want to you don't want to over utilize it, but you want to build off of it. You know, maybe get a quarterback that could do some bootlegs, you know, get open because like you said, Kendall, I mean, you got Deontay Johnson, one of your favorite wide receivers. And they got Chase Claypool. Uh, so, you know, and then they're there. They add Pat Fryermuth, and then they still got. Um, oh, goodness. His the other tight end just slipped my mind right now. Uh from the, he was with the Detroit Lions, but anyways, getting back. Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron. There you go. Oh, he can't stay healthy, but you know you can you can maneuver this offense to get going in the right direction because that defense is very strong. Now I understand that right now they they kind of dealing with a little bit of a, a you know they they got just like every team you know they they're kind of dealing with some with some injury some injury woes. But, I mean, once you get past that, that defense can get right back into the swing of things. And I think that, like you said, maybe they're just a quarterback away not rebuilding the whole entire shit. Yeah, and look, real quick, I got to give a shout-out to the Miami Dolphins. They have quietly won, I believe, four games in a row now. Two was, look, very impressive in those wins. They beat the crap out of the Carolina Panthers. Cam looked terrible, looked like he didn't even deserve a job. Uh, PJ Walker was inserted, uh, but hey, don't look now. But the Miami Dolphins are slowly creeping up on some teams. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and they, like you said, that defense benched Cam Newton. Yeah. And I mean, that this is becoming a site that I mean, I don't like it personally. I've always been a big uh, Cam Newton supporter. Uh, I just love what he does for the what he brings to the NFL. What he brings, I love the passion that he plays with. Uh, but man, let's get back on on topic. That the that 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 Dolphins team, literally, just it feels like a snap of a finger that Brian Flores now has Tua playing some good ball now. And at the beginning of the season, we had a locker room that was talking about Tua. Uh, he wasn't quarterback. He wasn't NFL quarterback, and this and that. But hey, man, look at him. He's been able to 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 get Jalen Waddle involved, right? That rookie, yeah. the rookie wide receiver, also it looks involved. impressive. It does. Yeah. 
And so they made Cam, they made Cam go from I'm back to I'm benched. Yep, <laughs> oh, that's right. Man. And like oh, you man. said, that that defense, man, that defense is playing that that defense is playing good. So you get that mixture going and and get that running game a little bit more active, right? We saw Miles Gaskin go off. If they could do that, man, they, they could be a team that we need to be. We need to give respect and watch out. Coming up next, NFL reporter Steve Weish will join us. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gran Leyenda Tequila. This tequila knows there's no substitute for a great taste. This award-winning and organic tequila is handcrafted and comes in four different flavors. Gran Leyenda takes great pride introducing the world to organic tequilas that do not compromise quality. To learn more, visit GranLeyendaTequila.com. Gran Leyenda, the official tequila of the East-West Football Podcast. Must be 21 and older to enjoy. Please drink responsibly. Our first guest is a reporter for the NFL Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at Weish89. Steve Weish, welcome back to the show. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. How are you doing? Hope you guys had a great holiday weekend. I'm great. Thanks for having me back. That means I didn't mess up your flow last time, so I appreciate you guys having me back. And by the way, Kendall, man, I'm look real, real quick. Ken, I got to say this. I know you've heard this before. But like you sit there in your hat, you look like a cross between Brian Flores and Kevin Durant, my man. <laughs> that's KD. It's so I funny get it a lot, Steve. I get it a lot. <laughs> it's funny because that's exactly what Fidel and myself call him is Kevin Durant. We've been calling them that since we first met each other. So. <laughs> You got the Brian Flores look though too, man. You got that flow. <laughs> that Anytime I mention with um, Brian Flores and Kevin Durant, that's great. <laughs> there you go. And it hey, was, Steve- I, I believe, October twenty fifth was the the when we published our podcast with you in twenty twenty. So it's been about a year. Perfect. Well, hey Steve, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to the uh, talk with us today. So, first question I want to ask you: I just want to get your thoughts so far in the NFL season. Awesome. Like everyone's just like, oh, we can't figure out, you know, who's the dominant team. There's all these teams still in the playoff hunt. Wouldn't it suck right now if we're going to week 13, we already knew, right, who was going in or who, you know, we know the Lions don't have a shot. We know the Jags, we don't have a shot. But, you know, that there's still so many teams in play. I mean, isn't that the great part of it? It's to me, it's so exciting to think that a team like the Colts at six and six, right, or the 49ers at six and five look like real potential players in the playoffs. They could fall off, of course, but you see that. The teams that started out hot, you know, like the Rams or some of these other teams that looked really dominant earlier, kind of leveling down, it's like, okay, you know, are they going to be able to get it back? So I I, I love it. I mean, I hate all the injuries. I mean, there's so many key injuries that affect teams. I mean, they've pretty much decimated the Saints, a couple other teams like that. But other than that, I just love the fact that we honestly don't know the identities of a lot of teams. We don't know if these teams are going to be able to get themselves together. And, you know, we just don't know who's going to come out of nowhere down the stretch. I love it. Now, who who would you say is the best team in the NFC and who's the best team in the AFC right now to you? Well, the best team in the NFC, and no one talks about it, is the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I know the Packers look really good. I mean, and, and they're, just, they're just like a shade, in my opinion, a shade below. But Arizona's got a much better defense than people give them credit for. They've what? They're two and one without Kyler Murray, you know, with Colt McCoy back there. It's a good football team. And remember, D Hop hasn't played in those games either. This is a very good football team. Um, in the AFC, you know, was a week or two ago, he would have said Tennessee, but it's kind of hard not to say the Ravens. But at the same time, it's like, is there anything that doesn't make you think that the Ravens could possibly step on a banana peel and slip a little bit? I mean, <laughs> But to survive like the game this past weekend, you know, four interceptions and to be able to still win a football game, um, that, that goes to show you've got a pretty complete football team. They just find ways to win games, ugly and different, whatever. They find ways, and that's why I like them. But uh, Kendall's Patriots are surging right now, too. And I got to tell you, I, I don't want to mess around with the Kansas City Chiefs right now either. I, I, I think they're getting ready to really, really dig in and, and get it going. 
Yeah, and the Chiefs have a big matchup with the Denver Broncos on Sunday Night Football next week. Let me just ask you, so obviously we saw the Ravens and the Browns last night. A very close, ugly game. Uh, a very different Browns team from what we saw last year. I mean, what do you think is going on with them besides injuries? Well, I mean, well, I mean it's hard not to it, – you, you've got to include the injuries. I mean, yeah. Baker Mayfield's out here playing with a bad shoulder, you know, subluxing shoulder. He's got a bad foot. He's super banged up. He's trying to gut it out. Their offensive line took another hit um, last night. Bad injury right there. They barely had, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field together for a good chunk of the season. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry's been banged up. I mean, the injuries are a huge issue. They cannot score, right? They're averaging 10 points a game over their past three games since a week five 47 42 loss. They've only scored more than 17 points one time. That's when they beat down the Bengals. So they are having difficulty scoring the football. You know, a lot of it's injuries. A lot of it's guys dropping balls, not making plays. A lot of it's Baker Mayfield. They just have not found any type of synergy offensively. So I think that's it's a big problem, man, because, I mean, all those teams in the AFC North have brutal schedules going down the stretch. And it's going to be, you know, those teams like the Ravens that find ways to win games ugly or whoever they have to that are going to emerge. What are some teams that you think are going to be able to make a run in December and get into the playoffs and possibly make a run to the Super Bowl that maybe not a lot of people are talking about? Ooh. Well, you know, you heard me mention the Colts. They had a tough loss to the Buccaneers. They're at six and six, but they they look they look good, man. I mean, they, they've, but they've got to protect the second-half leads. I mean, they had a bunch of turnovers, well, I think four turnovers in the second half yesterday. You can't do that. But they look like a good football team. Um, you know, it's hard. It's – it's it's again, the Niners, I think, are going to get there. I think the Vikings have a shot, um, even though they just lost to the Niners. I'm just kind of going through – I don't believe in any of these teams in the NFC East other than Dallas. Um, it's, you know, teams really intriguing me right now, and it's just I want to just run my head through a wall. It's the Dolphins. They won four straight, man. Tua looks really good. Yeah. You know, ever since they've kind of streamlined their play calling operation and things like that, it pretty much let George Godsey take over. They're functioning much better. You know, since Tua came back, he seems healthier. They're playing better on defense. They're playing better offensively. Now, they haven't played a bunch of great teams. But that's, you know, that's a team no one's really talking about that I'm keeping my eye on. I think they're above the 500 mark now. Um, So that's a team I'm keeping my eye on. And my last question for you, what's going on with the Rams? Obviously, two big trades, you know, Von Miller, OBJ, it's not working out so far. Um, what, what's going on with the Rams? Well, I mean, their issue started uh, before the trade. I mean, look, you, yeah. let's not forget they lost the guts of their team when Robert Woods blew out his knee uh, in practice. You know, people say, well, he was their number two wide receiver. Yeah, but he kind of embodies everything with this team. And I say team with their I – mean, he blocked. He ran the ball, right? He, he kind of served as kind of their, their running back, their Debo Samuel type of guy. Great chain mover, just a reliable dude. And, I mean, him going down hurts. So Odell's kind of going game by game, learning the game plan, but he can't be as physical as Robert Woods in a blocking game because he's got a bad shoulder, right? Von Miller played well uh, against the Packers last night. He had, he had a really good game. But the Rams' issues are these. Matthew Stafford is throwing a pick six in three consecutive games. He is now being mentioned in the same breath as Matt Schaub, who did it in four consecutive games. Never good company to keep. They got they get these early game turnovers, right? So then they fall behind, and then these other teams that they've played, they have lost to Tennessee, San Francisco, and Green Bay. They can pound you on the ground, and that's exactly what happened, right? So there's those teams are putting together these twelve and thirteen play drives, keeping this this quick strike offense off the field, wearing down this defense. Right, and then the Rams are having a hard time going toe to toe. So what people on the league are saying about the Rams is they're they're like a dome team, right? Think about those old Peyton Manning teams and the old Greatest Show on Turf teams. If they get an early lead and get up on you, they can send their pass rushers after you because they know you're one dimensional and have to throw it. 
But if the Rams have to get in there and throw haymaker after haymaker, you know, Mike Tyson, Riddick Bowe type fights, that's not what they want to do. But the Rams can do that if they're not turning the ball over. And that is their big issue right now. It is correctable, but they better figure out who they are pretty quickly because the blueprint of their last three games has clearly been laid. Not everyone can can do it like those three playoff teams that I mentioned, but that's something where people think the Rams have got a soft underbelly on the interior offensive line and the middle level of their defense with their inside linebackers, and they are going after it. And they want to get you in a game where they, they've got to junk it up a little bit because they know that the Rams do not like playing that style. All right. Thank you, Steve. My guy, Steve. Thanks for joining, man. Hey, Flow, Flow KD. KD Flow. <laughs> hey, Steve, real quick. I just want to ask two Patriots questions. You can ask them, answer them in the order. How far do you think the Patriots can go this year? And are you surprised with how well Matt Jones has played? Look, why why would I say the Patriots could come out of the AFC? I mean, I think they could. I think I think to some degree would be surprised because you know then they'd have to get through late season Patrick Mahomes or late season Lamar Jackson. But the Patriots are playing at this point. Remember what we got five weeks to go. Yep. They are playing postseason football where they are pounding you offensively, running the ball. I love when they line up the fullback. And just say, we're running the ball. We dare you to stop us. Because if you do, then you win. If right. you don't, then we're going to keep running the ball until you do stop us. And then defensively, it's just insane, right? They got these two lockdown corners. Just great corners. Very good safeties. So that allows them to play coverage rush, right? They're playing back to front. Yes. So now you've got studs up front like Judon, those horses on the inside, on D-tackle, who are just hard to move. And then you got the physical linebackers like Hightower. And Mac, and Mac Jones is just playing such yep. – you know, he is not playing to lose. He's, he's playing to win ball games. Right? A lot of rookies, let's minimize the mistakes mm-hmm. and let's just run the ball and take it out of his hands. The Patriots seem to feel very confident in him handling the ball and him running their offense and asking them to make plays. And so good for him, as the Patriots are so good at doing, is maximizing player strengths, designing things around player strengths, right. and then winning ball games. I mean, they look they look formidable right now. But, again, I, I think Buffalo is a team that can get going again. They've got, I think they meet this week. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. But I, I love how the Patriots are playing right now. Yes, sir, my guy. Appreciate it, Steve. Hey, Jerry, Jerry for some reason, I am not hearing you, my man. I was, saying, I was, trying, I was so excited. I was like, man, Steve, it's my turn. I, I got to – how do I follow up these people? <laughs> uh, a lot of people want to know, first and foremost, uh, once they found out that you were coming on, uh, have you heard anything about the Dallas Cowboys, right? Because uh, we've been seeing uh, – and a lot of concerns that I've been hearing and been asked is, is Dak okay, right? And I don't know. Have you heard anything? I mean, Cowboys look kind of hot for a moment and then – I don't know. These last couple of games, they they just can't can't get these wins. Can't lock in these big wins when when they need to. Well, I mean, look, you've seen a lot of teams go through this. Um, defensively, they have they have let up a little bit from where they did earlier. You know, just a couple of games ago. I mean, you saw the game against the Raiders. They just could not get a stop. Well, need to get a stop in large part because DPI defensive pass interference. I yeah, mean, that was just a that was just an insane game with all the officials on Thanksgiving. But Dallas is a good football team, right? They still have to kind of figure out the run-pass balance. Um, You know, Zeke said he's going to manage that knee issue. But they've got Tony Pollard, who's a super explosive, right? So they've got kind of a good combo there. Amari Cooper being out, hey, man, you know, look, this is one of these things where people say, hey, personal choice, personal choice, but – he didn't get vaccinated. He gets, goes on the COVID list. He's out for two games. It affected their game plan. It affected what they like to do. It's true. So, I mean, that's part of it as well. Now, him coming back is not going to solve all their issues. But I think Dallas is a very good team. I mean, I think they can get it going. I have not heard of anything that's impeding Dak. He hasn't, they haven't lost because of Dak. 
True. Lost because you know the Raiders game because they gave up the explosive plays mainly on DPIs, but Dak is playing well. So, yeah, I mean, I they, they've lost a couple games. They haven't looked great, but I think they can get it get it going again. It'd be interesting to see how they do Thursday with Mike McCarthy. He's on the sidelines because he tested positive for COVID. That was see idea. how they handle things there. But I think this is where the players will will kind of take control and rally because they know they need to get a win and they're playing a very wounded, nicked up Saints team. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Well, I, I know that you you gave a sigh of relief to a bunch of my fam, family and friends that asked about the Dallas Cowboys, right? I mean, who doesn't like to hear? I didn't it? say I didn't say they were going to click off like well, six straight wins and go to the Super Bowl. I just <laughs> well, said I just said well, like, look, I, it's it's, it's Jerry likes were, to say the sky's not falling. Yeah, well, well, you had said they're a good football team, so that's what I that's yeah. what I'm trying to refer to. Heck yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Steve, if you can, can you give us a little bit of uh, uh, some information as far as this uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl coming up in February? Yeah. I know it's the first time ever. Um, you know, what, what what is it? What You know, I've seen that the NFL has made some big strides with HBCU and, and you kind of leading the way. Uh, but what, what, what can we expect from it? And, uh, you know, not, not only us as, you know, people may be watching, but maybe the players participating in it. Yeah, so look, the HBC Legacy Bowl uh, will have its premier event February 19th, the weekend after the Super Bowl at Tulane Stadium in New Orleans. And what this will do is there will be 100 draft-eligible players from historically black colleges and universities who will have like a senior bowl week, right? They're going to practice Tuesday through Friday. So all the scouts, NFL, CFL, XFL, whatever, who want to come through and look at them, We'll have see them in practice, you know, where they're going up against certain competition and certain drills to see how they do things. Very much like the Senior Bowl format, and the actual game will be on that weekend where you get to see them under the lights, right? Some guys maybe don't practice as well as they play. So this will this will give them that opportunity. The game will be broadcast on NFL Network. But the whole genesis of this, guys, and this came from the Black College Football Hall of Fame and its leadership of Doug Williams and James Shaq Harris, two NFL legends, two pioneering black quarterbacks who both went to Grambling State University in Louisiana, um, was over the past two years, one player from a historically black college has been drafted. And that's kind of insane. It is. When you think, when you watch players like Darius Leonard, you know, of the Colt, or Javon Hargrave, the D tackle for the Eagles, just dominate. You know, and you think about the history of what historically black colleges have given to the NFL. I think you've got 34 or 35 pro football Hall of Famers, you know, 10% of pro football Hall of Fame went to HBCUs. So the fact that so few HBCU players have been drafted, it's not because of a dearth of talent. A lot of it's been a dearth of exposure, right? There's only been one or two invited to the combine, you know? So this is basically giving all of these people who pay, players to play football, again, the NFL, CFL, XFL, an opportunity to come get eyes on these players, but not just the players, but coaches. The coaching staffs will be from HBCUs. The training staffs will be from HBCUs. So this is an opportunistic way for people who want to be athletic trainers or maybe who want to get into the player development side to meet people who can help lift them into those leagues and give them those opportunities. There's also going to be a career fair where several Big companies, including the NFL and NFL Network, are going to have booths where they can talk to the players and for students from HBCUs in Louisiana and from surrounding communities who want to come through to hand resumes and have sit-down conversations with headhunters um, for possible job recruitment and employment. So it's a whole week, again, of opportunity is how I'll say that. Again, New Orleans, February 19th is the actual game at Yulman Stadium at Tulane. It'll be on NFL Network. I will be on the call um, with Charles Davis and Bucky Brooks and some other folks. It's gonna, it's just going to be a huge showcase of some of the really good talent who we could see in the NFL over the next couple of years because there are several draft el- – not just draft eligible, but draft likely players coming to the NFL this year, such as like Alabama, a- uh, Al- a- Alabama A&M quarterback Akil Glass, who's just a fantastic player. That all sounds great. Now I got two real quick questions. I know I know we're we're a little bit strapped for time. So uh, uh, so one of them being is 
you know, you have one of the most interesting journeys, right? Because I mean, from from a young age, you've 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 been you've been to a lot of places. You your career didn't just you didn't just land on NFL Network, right? You've been a part of of some some big time situations, some not so likely, right? But a part of the entire journey. What have been what has been? I know it's not done, but so far, what's your favorite part of this entire journey? You know, you you to me, you seem like a trailblazer, but but I'll let you answer that question. Well, I'm definitely not a trailblazer. I mean, there's so many people ahead of me, the Roscoe Nances, the Ralph Wiley's, the Michael Wilbons, David Aldridge's, I mean, just Claire Smith's, just so many. But look, I mean, I was, I was a 20-year writer. I was, in the, I was in the newspaper game for a long time, you know, and, you know, I've done pro boxing. I've done major college football, uh, done the NBA for years. I mean, so career-wise, it's weird. You know, you asked me this question 10 years ago, and I'm going to say, oh, man, you know, my big highlight was, uh, you know, working the story, you know, breaking the story on Michael Jordan coming to Washington when I worked in, in the D.C. market or, you know, being one of the first people to interview Mike Tyson when he got out of prison. But now it's really, you know, now that I'm at the age I'm at and done some of the things I'm at, it's really, you know, kind of doing things like getting involved with the Black House Football Hall of Fame and the Legacy Bowl and trying to create opportunities for someone to take my job. Or, you know, when I look at the sets of, of everything like Fox, ESPN, CBS and all that, I'm saying there's no reason why, especially a person of color, an Asian, a black person, a Latina, some of my indigenous brothers and sisters, why they can't be in that chair. Right. Because it seems now that all the people making decisions feel that everyone fits into a certain role, i.e. tell me an insider in any sport of color, you know, the insider. Very, it's very not a genetic flaw. It's just who people choose to put in those roles. So it's my decision not to open eyes and create opportunities. And that's kind of where I, I, I am in the journey now. But I mean, look, the, the best part about it, the whole journey is just meeting people, whether they're athletes or coaches or, you know, people with teams or leagues and more so just my colleagues and, you know, every place that I've worked, those are lifelong relationships, you know, that you know, I, I will treasure until I take my last breath. So awesome! And last one. So uh, we saw a post on your on your social media, right? Uh, so it was jalapeno, bacon, red pepper, mac and cheese. Can you give us a on a scale of one to ten? What was that? Come on, man! The ten. All right, all right. Thanks, Matt Judon. <laughs> and get is this only going to be a Kendall, get your boy? <laughs> Will this only be a Thanksgiving site going forward? <laughs> no, 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 no. My wife, my wife gets down, man. I got a Jamaican wife who gets down. She got awesome. the great mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah. Everything else. So no, 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 no. It's too good to have just once a year, my brother. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Steve, for all your time. Thank Steve, you, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, you know, talk to you soon at the end of the year or during the playoffs. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Got You guys got to try the mac and cheese recipe on your own. Yeah, it's going right, to down. Thanks, Steve. All right, coming up next, Q Myers will join us to talk some Raiders football. Make sure you stick around. Our next guest is the program director for the LV Sports Network and the host of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, which you can hear weekdays 2 to 4, and the host of Locked on Raiders podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at yourboy254. Q Myers, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Great, man. How are you doing? Appreciate you guys having me on the show. Hey, great. I know you're a busy man, so let's get right to it. Let's go and talk about the silver and black. So obviously the Raiders are coming off a very great win on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas over the Cowboys. Uh, a lot of questionable, you know, things that have been going on with the Raiders, losing three straight. They needed this win really bad. Yeah, no doubt. That was a, a big deal, man. I mean, the Raiders had gone into their bye week at 5-2, and two, you know, feeling good about themselves. They were the number two seed after the their bye week. They were the number two seed in the AFC and had everything right in front of them. The, the Titans had just lost Derrick Henry. Uh, some teams looked like they were starting to uh, lose their way. Denver had just traded Vaughn Miller. So if you're a Raider fan, you looked up and said, man, everything is right in front of this team for the taking. And then all of a sudden they proceed to go on a three-game losing streak, losing to the Giants, losing to the Chiefs, and then turn 
turning around and losing to uh, losing to uh, the 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 Cincinnati Bengals, which was just it was just bad games, you know, just really bad games. And so it's something that shouldn't have happened, but it did. And they needed that game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys in a major way just to get uh, some confidence to themselves. And they were able to do that. And then they look up and even though they fumbled away many opportunities so far this season, they're still sitting at six and five. They still have opportunities to go and make a deep run, but you've got to go win games. I mean, their motto is just win, baby. They literally have to just win games and see how everything happens. Yeah, and Darren Waller did su- suffer a knee injury. Uh, it, it's kind of a weird uh, pronunciation of the injury that Darren did suffer, but it is a week-to-week. Um, what have you been hearing, Q, about his status for Sunday's game? Well, it's the, everyone's been calling it the IT band, and I had never heard of the IT band until Darren Waller suffered this injury, which is funny. But apparently it's more uh, common than, than I even thought it was, and it is week-to-week. Like you mentioned, Rich Basaccia told us on Monday that he was week-to-week, and uh, I don't think he plays this week. Apparently with this injury, you have to do a lot of massage and relaxation and maybe a lot of bike work as well, just trying to loosen that thing up. And apparently it's something that guys that are cross cross country runners, they suffer that in their knee quite a bit. Uh, So I I don't know really how he came about that, but I think he's going to miss this week for sure. He might miss next week against Kansas City, which would be huge. But uh, Foster Moreau is just going to have to step up. And, and he's done that before. Um, it was Darren Waller missed the Philadelphia Eagle game right before their bye week with the injury. And then he came out early in that game against Dallas. And so the Raiders were able to win both those games. So they've been there, done that without Darren Waller. But still, he's such a big key to that offense that uh, it's, it's going to hurt not to see him out there. But I don't think he goes on Sunday. Yeah, two players that Raider Nation wanted to see perform well on Thursday's game was one Derek Carr and the other one was Josh Jacobs, which they both had tremendous games. They got Deshaun uh, Jackson involved in the game as well. Going forward, what do you think it's going to take for the Raiders to make the playoffs? Man, wins, wins, and some more wins. You know, I mean, bottom line, they like I said, they fumbled away their opportunities to really kind of, uh, you know, make some big moves in the AFC. Right now, they're on the outside looking in, but you know, you look at the number one seed in the AFC is Baltimore. They got eight wins. You know, the Raiders are the like number eight seed and they have six wins. So, I mean, it's only a couple of games that separate the teams and they have a lot of AFC games to close out. They have one more game against the NFC opponent this Sunday against Washington. Then the rest of the season is AFC opponents. So you can go and win these games. You can end up with 10 wins and make the playoffs. I do believe this year, but Again, it's all boils down to what you do. You have to go win games. There's games that they lost earlier in the season that I didn't think they should have lost. That Giants game coming out of the bye, I thought that was unacceptable. The Bengals game, Cincinnati really didn't do a whole lot to them until the end when the, the wheels fell off the, tra- you know, the, the tracks and everything. So I just think that they messed up multiple opportunities, but here they are. They still have opportunities. Now they have to go win games and hope for some help. But it could, honestly, and how good would this be for the NFL? How great would it be? For that final game of the season, week 18, you got the Chargers at your house and the winner gets in. I, in my opinion, would be a great way to wrap up the season uh, for one of the teams and the other team advances. I would love it if that's what happens. And it really honestly could happen. Yeah, and we actually did see that a couple of years back when Hugh Jackson was actually the head coach. Yep. It was the home game for the Raiders. And uh, unfortunately, they did lose that game against yep. the Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Yeah, I remember that game. And that I really, that man, I liked those Hugh Jackson teams. I liked them a lot uh, because he really found a way to get those guys like uh, Denarius Moore and Jacoby Ford and uh, cats like that. Darren McFadden, obviously, uh, Jason Campbell before he went down. He found ways to get those guys uh, very productive. And if you saw, once they left the Raiders, they really didn't do anything in the, the rest of the league. So, uh, yeah, he, he was a very good offensive mind. It just didn't work out for him. Yeah, shout out Hugh Jackson's a you know good friend of the show. So if you're listening, Coach, hope you're doing well. Hey, so Q, thank you. Like uh, like Fidel said, man, thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, everybody listening in, you need to tune in. Locked in, locked in, uh, Raiders podcast, right? Locked uh, on Raiders podcast. Yeah. So I mean, shout out, man. You've been doing it since what 2018. Yeah, 2018 was the first uh, first episode. Matter of fact, it was uh, right after John Gruden was basically announced as the head coach, and then it was a couple weeks before uh, Khalil Mack gets traded off. So uh, I've yeah. had plenty of uh, ups and downs on the podcast, a lot of emotions, uh, but here we are. We're still rolling uh, four seasons long, four seasons strong, and I've been having a good time, and it continues to grow. So I definitely appreciate all the support on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, hey man, and I, I encourage everybody to go listen to it. I mean, you'll you'll get a little bit better insight, a really refreshing take. But let's get right into it, man. Um, obviously, 
you guys are you, you guys came off a, a huge win against the Cowboys. I know it, it could be a momentum shift for you guys, and like you said, win games. Uh, but let's let's kind of compare and contrast the Cowboy fans to the Raider fans. Obviously, you've been exposed to Texas for a while. Yeah. Um, tell us what is the what's what are the differences? Uh, what's what are some of the differences and what are some of the similarities between Raider fans and Cowboy fans? If you could. Well, I just think it comes down to the passion in Raider Nation. I mean, that's just what it is. You know, Raider Nation's been around for so long and they follow their team and they, you know, travel well, just like there was 93,000 fans on Thanksgiving at Jerry's World. Uh, there was a lot of Raider Nation representing, you know. I mean, they were fired up, excited, uh, happy to be there. And no matter if it's a win, a loss, or a tie, yeah, the fan base will be fired up and be angry and upset and swear that they're not watching the game anymore. But on <laughs> Sunday, they're right back there. You know, it just it's the passion. And I, I I know Cowboy fans are passionate too, you know, I mean, and it's funny. It's, you know, I talk about it on the show all the time, the Cowboys, the team itself and the Raiders, in my opinion, are very, very similar. They have so many similarities. They mix and match coaches. They mix and match players. I mean, if you're a Cowboy, eventually you're going to be a Raider. If you're a Raider, you're eventually going to be a Cowboy and vice versa. So many different uh, people have have exchanged. They've been in different locker rooms with those two organizations, including the head coach of the Raiders right now, Rich Basaccia. used to be the special teams coach there uh, in Dallas. It's just so many different things. Even if you look at the Cowboys right now, their defensive coordinator is Dan Quinn. Uh, He he came from Seattle. He runs the cover three Raiders defensive coordinators, Gus Bradley. He came from Seattle. He runs the cover three. I mean, it's just so many things. Both teams aren't very good at stopping the run. I mean, they have really good offenses, but last year their defenses both stunk. I mean, there's so many things <laughs> that you could say and say, yep, those are all, all the same uh, Cowboys and Raiders. You know, Jerry Jones, you got to shout out Jerry Jones if you're a Raider fan because, you know, he's one of the major reasons why you have Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. He was a big-time player in that, so I never want to take that from him. Him and Al were tight. Uh, There's, you know, there's so many. Again, I could just go on and on about the similarities of the two teams. So uh, the fan bases are are somewhat similar. I think the Raider fans probably go a little harder in the paint, but that's just because, you know, I'm a member of Raider Nation as well, so uh, that's what we do. But I'm sure there's Cowboy fans that feel the same about themselves. It's all good, man. It's all good. Hey, uh, so your your two last episodes, the the most recent, you covered the G- GMs, right? Possibilities yeah. because we don't know, right? Mike Mayock may not be there next season. But on the on on your podcast before that, you talked about replacement coaches. Uh, so if you could just kind of bring some of those names to life, uh, and and let's talk about it, right? Um, so you had mentioned, uh, and if you could go ahead and just take the floor, uh, possibilities, because I understand. Lincoln Riley's already out of the picture. Right, exactly. That's kind of what got the ball rolling on Sunday when I saw that Lincoln Riley was going to USC. It's like, whoa, that was huge. And unfortunately for me, I said, whoa, is huge in the airport going through security. And you usually don't say stuff like that and get excited <laughs> going through the airport security because then they start looking at you funny. But uh, I was okay. That was just a big deal. Uh, but let's start with the GM because that's the, the higher up. I just think that it makes sense for the Raiders to keep Mike Mayock at least for one more year. And this is why they've already been scouting for the upcoming draft. They already kind of have an idea of what they want to do as far as who they're going to keep in, in free, their own free agents, who they kind of want to go target possibly in free agency. I don't think that it's too smart to end up the season. Then all of a sudden fire everybody, go hire a new GM, go hire a new coach. And Oh, or by the way, in April, we have a draft. You know, I mean, it just to me, it doesn't make sense. That's why we've been seeing lately. We've seen GMs get fired immediately after the draft because, well, they've already put in all the work. You almost have to roll with them. So if you're going to roll with them anyway, at least through the draft, why not let them go ahead and keep the seat warm throughout the, the regular season? And then if things aren't working out and you can see things aren't working out, Throughout the course of the season, you can start, okay, this is who I'm going to plan on moving on. You know, you can start making some plans then. I just think that there's so many questions. Nobody knows what a Gruden pick was or what a Mike Mayock pick was. Nobody knows what a Mike Mayock draft class looks like. Uh, You know, of course, he's never going to throw anyone under the bus. He's always going to say the right things as far as, well, that was, we were together on those picks. Those were what we said. I mean, even Damon Arnett, he took responsibility for that. I don't know if that was Gruden. I don't know if it was Mayock. I don't care if it was both of them. It was a bad pick. It was terrible, you know, and there's a lot of bad picks that the Raiders have had in the draft. So I think that this one year to find out what Mike Mayock has makes all the sense. Now, the Rich Passaccia thing, he's a nice guy. He's a special teams coordinator. He's an interim head coach right now. I don't think he's got the goods to be a full-time head coach. So now you say, okay, well, who do you want to bring in if it's not going to be him? And the problem with this situation is 
Gus Bradley has been leading the defense and has done a good job this year. And the Raiders defense has stunk for years. So if you bring in a new head coach, do they want a new defensive coordinator? Then do you start over from scratch with the defense? So that's kind of the dilemma that the Raiders have right now. If you bring in a young minded head coach, like I would prefer some guy who's up and coming like a Joe Brady, who's in Carolina, uh, like a Byron Leftwich, who's in Tampa Bay. You know, there's thoughts of Eric B but he's got some baggage behind him. I mean, there's guys in college. You could look at, you could look at Mel Tucker. You could look at James Franklin. I mean, there's, there's multiple guys uh, that you could look at and say, yeah, you could bring him along and maybe convince Gus Bradley to stay on as the defensive coordinator. That would probably be the best case scenario, but I, I don't know what direction Mike Mayock wants to go because he said publicly that he's, He's, you know, he, he's bad. He's, he's like pounded the table for Rich Basaccia. He's not the guy. Rich Basaccia can't be the guy. There's just no way, in my opinion, he makes too many in-game mistakes. And that's hard, man. That's a hard position to do. And, oh, by the way, still, still run another position, you know, still run the special teams, uh, you know, part of things. I just I don't think that he's made to be the head coach. So there's a lot of questions. But ideally for me, John Gruden was kind of the face of the franchise. Or it wasn't kind of. He was the face of the franchise until he resigned. I think they need someone that can come in there and be a home run hire and be the face of the franchise, be someone that the, the fan base rallies around. That's why I think you need some young blood, someone with some fresh ideas, some offensive, uh, you know, good, good, uh, you know, play calling, creative play calling. Uh, maybe the Raiders version of Sean McVay, maybe the Raiders version of wh- whoever, whoever you want to fill in that you think is a really good young head coach. That's what they need to do, I think. Uh, pre- preferably offense, but if you have a really strong defensive-minded guy, then okay, and you feel good about him and he's young and, and, and on the come-up, cool, roll with him too. So there, there's a few options that I think that the Raiders have. Well, and, and I don't know if they've started their, their search. Uh, I don't, they, there was a report out that said they haven't started their search, but I think that it's almost December and they haven't started their search. I kind of find that hard to believe. So we'll see what the truth is uh, at the end. Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, some of those names that you mentioned, of course, uh, they make sense. Some of them, some of them, like you said, I mean, they 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 have some uphill bot- battles. And one of the, one is, I mean, you got you already have one in your intra division, and that's stopping Patrick Mahomes consistently right. twice a year, right? And then now you have the up and coming emergence of of uh, the Chargers uh, situation, right? As far as their, you know, the, it looks like. They're a young team that's starting to be, you know, shaped out very well offensively, defensively. And then, of course, you got the Broncos D, who, man, they look pretty good. I mean, look at Patrick Chertang with these two picks and yep. one pick six. I mean, that that the the Raiders, they still need to tweak out some things. And like you said, bringing in somebody that's going to be smart, has studied, studied the Raiders, and can build off and work together with the GM hand-in-hand. I think the Raiders have... The key pieces in place with, you know, with DC, you know, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, uh, for sure. You know, you you want to you want to give, you know, some you want to give some, you know, some props. Cole Miller's been all right uh, when he's healthy. Uh, Alex Otherwood's still learning the game. He's still a rookie. And then, of course, the promising is on the defense with Max, uh, Max Crosby and, of course, Trevon uh, Moirig, right? So yeah. I think I think that the Raiders have some great building blocks. And uh, and hopefully once you guys get the right organization, uh, the right leadership to organize the team, I think that you guys will instantly improve drastically within the season. Well, they need to. They really need to. I mean, they do have some good parts, like you said, Colton Miller. He's on his second contract, so that's that's good. That's you know the the only first round pick that's on the second contract. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, think about that. It's the only. It was the first first round pick since Darren McFadden to get a second contract. That's yeah. a long gap in between McFadden and Colton Miller. So that tells you uh, the history of the Raiders drafts. Uh, Merrick out of TCU, the safety is a good dude. Got in the second round. I think he's going to be a heck of a player. Uh, you know, Crosby, he's having a really good year getting pressures. He's not getting as many sacks as I'd like, but he's getting good pressures. So, um, yeah, there's some good building blocks. There's a couple good free agents there. Perryman's been really good, and Gakwe's been really good. There's some things to like about what the Raiders have going on. Uh, one of my questions that I have is who's going to get – their fifth-year option picked up next year, or is anybody going to get it picked up? You have Cleve Farrell. He's not going to get it. You have Josh Jacobs. He might get it. And then you have Jonathan Abram, and he might get it. But Jacobs is going to be $10 million. Uh, that's guaranteed if they pick up his fifth-year option. And I think I Abram is about $7 million. So, I mean, yeah. who are you picking up? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Cleve is, is basically a backup, and he was on special teams on Thanksgiving. I mean, so 
I don't see them picking that up. There's, there's just a lot of questions. They got to clean up their culture. They got to clean up their their draft picks. They've, they've, they had the ammunition to have a really talented team right now, and they have a talented team, but it could be really talented, and it's not there right now. Man, the one person that makes you snap your fingers is Abram, man, making some boneheaded, uh, boneheaded plays after the play. It's just like – Come on, man. You, I mean, he got away. He got away with 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 that late last that yeah. that one. I mean, that, that against the Cowboys. Bad. Yeah, that could have been bad. That could have been bad. But uh, hey, Q, appreciate your time, man, and keep up the great work there on Locked In Raiders. Oh, absolutely, my man. Appreciate it, and you guys uh, keep doing what you do. Appreciate y'all having me on the show. Hey, uh, real quick, quick, um, Q, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. Um, where do you in the AFC West? Where do you see the Raiders at right now? Like, if the season ended today, I know if y'all ended that, I don't think y'all in the playoff picture or whatnot. No. So I want you to take your bias hat off for a minute and just be a realist for a second. Where do you think the Raiders rank at right now in the AFC West? Because well, if you look at – Yeah, I mean, I'll always keep it real. Never, never, uh, you know, never sugarcoat anything. I mean, yeah. obviously the Kansas City Chiefs are the cream of the crop in the AFC West. I mean, they're the, they're the division leaders. They look like they're getting better on defense, which is going to be big down the stretch. Uh, but they have a good game coming up on Sunday night against Denver. So that's going to be something to pay attention to. I thought Denver was done when they traded Von Miller. I thought they were waving the white flag. Clearly they haven't because they're winning some games against Dallas. They won a game. They won them against the Chargers this week. So honestly, I look at Kansas City as the cream of the crop. And then I, I look at the rest of the teams, other three as other. And you know, what's funny about this is on Monday morning, we could be talking about a potential four-way tie in the AFC West in December. Like, who, when, when does that ever happen? A four-way tie in December in a division. But if Denver were to beat Kansas City on Sunday night, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Kansas City is going to win that game. But that's what we could be talking about. So I, I just, like you said, Kansas City's number one. Denver, the Chargers, the Raiders, I don't care what order you put them in. You could put the Chargers second because of Justin Herbert, but they've looking like they're kind of making a, 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 some mistakes and losing a few games here and there. The Broncos, they have a good defense, but I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke to, to take me to the promised land. And then the Raiders, they're so up and down. I mean, you know, you can't really say that they're the best team. So I think you can bunch in the three teams, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos in any order you want and say, okay, those two, those guys are fighting for second place, and it's the Chiefs sitting there at number one again. I, I kind of agree with you there. I kind of like the Chargers a little bit before it. I like the Broncos. I think the Broncos are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. I think the Raiders still like a couple years away from what I think. So, but I mean, I'm sure fair. it's UFL has different opinions or whatnot. But well, that's, um, fair. that's fair. Yeah. That's just, just, just how I feel or whatnot. Do you think Derek Carr is, the, is still the future of the Las Vegas Raiders? The next couple of years, like in 20, if we're just speaking into the future, in 2024, do you think D.C. will still be there in Las Vegas? You know, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know if he's going to be there after this year. And the reason I say that is I don't know if he's going to want to be. I mean, he said that multiple times that he wants to retire a Raider, that he does, you know, he doesn't want to play for another team. But you think about this, if they go and get a new head coach, like I think they will, they go and get a new scheme, like I think they will, uh, that's going to be, what, five? You know what I mean? That's, that's in, in his career, that's a lot. And look, he's putting up big numbers, so I can see that, but maybe a, a young guy comes in, maybe a, a Cliff Kingsbury-type guy comes in and says, hey, I want my quarterback. And maybe D.C. says, this is enough. Maybe he pulls a Matt Stafford and says, you know what? I've played for this organization. I've given everything I have my whole career, and we haven't got over the hump. I want to hoist the Lombardi. I want a, ch a chance. Can you please move me? And then they mutually agree to, to part ways. That could be a possibility as well. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I think it's really in Derek Carr's corner how long he wants to play, but his contract's up in 2022. So, you know, I mean, the Raiders are going to have to make some tough decisions as well. So it's going to be interesting. So say in 2024, uh, I couldn't tell you who's going to be on that squad in 2024. Uh, I, I would almost be shocked if it was Derek Carr, but it, it'd be more not because the team got rid of him, just because he he was just tired. That's real good. How many more pieces do you feel the Raiders are from being like a, a true contender? Like, I mean, in the offseason, what do y'all need? A couple more receivers, D linemen? What you, um, what you think? I, th I think that the offensive line needs to continue to be solidified. You know, they, they took that down in the offseason. They broke it down. Rodney Hudson was gone. Trent Brown was gone. As you know, Trent Brown's in New England. Uh, Gabe Jackson's in Seattle. So those three guys, the right side and the center position was was uh, dismantled and reconstructed. Richie Incognito was supposed to play on the, on the left guard position. He hasn't played all season. So I think the offensive line still needs some work. They need us to figure out what they're going to do with Leatherwood. Is he a guard? for the rest of his career, or is they, are they going to kick him back to tackle uh, when the season's over and try to get him back where, you know, they expected him to be to begin with? Those are going to be questions. Um, the defensive line, 
I think it's pretty good, but I also know that Ngakwe is only on a two-year deal. So, I mean, you know, how, how long is that going to go? You just have to get talent on all levels. You know what I mean? They need more corners. The safeties are, are – Merrick is great in the, the back end of that defense, but what are you going to do with Jonathan Abram? Is he a guy that you're going to continue to try to work with, or are you going to move on from him? They're, they, I mean, they, they have talent. They literally have talent to be a really good team this year. They've just – fumbled some games away. I mean, they really do. They can put up 30 plus points a game when they do Derek Carr wins every time, you know, but the games that they lost, you go back and look, they put up 14 points, nine points, 15 points, six points. You know what I mean? They, they're just not getting it done. If they can get the 30 points, they're winning a the game. They're averaging pretty much 32 points a game and all their wins. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think they have the goods to get it done. They just need to get on a roll and they need to stay healthy. And throughout the draft the free agency, they just need to continue to build depth. I'm a big Brian Edwards fan, the wide receiver you got from South Carolina. Did, how do you, did you did you like what you have seen from him so far? Yeah, Brian Edwards is is great when he's healthy, you know. And unfortunately, his rookie year he wasn't healthy, and that's something that goes back to South Carolina with him. He wasn't healthy in college, but the dude has size. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's got vice grips for hands. And, and what I mean by that is he doesn't let the ball come into his body. You see Brian Edwards catch the ball. He snatches it with his hands and he just kind of sucks it in. And that's what I like in a wide receiver, a guy who does not allow it to hit his pads. When it hits his pads, boom, it bounces off and it's an incompletion or a turnover. Uh, sometimes it bounces into an interception. I like Brian Edwards a lot. I just don't think that he's getting the burn with Derek Carr just yet. But you have seen him come up pretty big in some games, especially late. You'll see him get, you know, an eight-yard catch and turn it into 20 yards. He, he runs violent. He runs through tackles. You know, he's, he's a hell of a football player. I think he just needs to get a little bit more burn. Henry Ruggs, before the tragic accident, he was seeming like he was a step ahead as far as being on the same page with Derek Carr, and Brian Edwards is a little bit behind. So now Edwards is going to have to step up. And, and be that guy. And you asked how far the Raiders were away and what else they needed. I will say, I think they need a true number one wide receiver as well. That's, that's one area that they definitely need a big time wide receiver. I know a lot of Raider fans have the, the hopes of getting like Devonte Adams in the off season. I don't see that. I don't think green Bay is going to let him go, but they need a big time wide receiver, a, a true number one that they can go to. That's not their tight end, even though Darren Waller obviously is a hell of a tight end. Appreciate the Q. For sure. Q. Appreciate you. Hey, man, appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully catch up with you uh, before the season's over. And um, let's hope the Raiders get this win on Sunday. We'll see, man. It's going to be a tough game. Washington looks good. You know, they got a good defense, and they got a quarterback that's real scrappy and shifty and, and just really has nothing to lose, so he's going out there balling. So it's going to be a tough one at Legion Stadium, but uh, this is what you, you asked for, right? You asked for an opportunity to, to make moves. Go win your game. That's all you got to do. All right, Q. Thank you. Appreciate you. And that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the East-West Football Podcast. For all your latest news and updates, make sure you go to eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and also our new YouTube channel, eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.